Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider. We'll get started right after this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. Sonia and Terry live in a picturesque terrace on a quiet street in Norwich. Their large house, set back from the road, used to be the site of Terry's dental surgery. Hello. Hello. Oh, thank you so much for having us. After he retired, they're both in their 70s now, the waiting room became a TV room. And since then, their daughters have left home and now it's just the two of them. And their Jack Russell dog, Roxy. The couple and their friend Mary, who are all Conservative Party members, are spending their Monday evening as they spend a lot of their time now watching GB News. Good afternoon from the GB Newsroom. Before Christmas, in true Gogglebox style, my colleague Annabelle Dixon and I went round to Sonia and Terry's house to watch them watching GB News. And as we watched, they explained to us what makes them tune in every day. I think it's very good. I think it does um, echo our views. Tired of the usual focus-tested, pre-prepared Westminster runaround? Well, so am I. I think they've got some good presenters. They do it well, and they've so improved. Now, look, we're tolerant about all sorts of human beings, but there is a question as to what is appropriate. Oh, I like Nigel Farage very much. He says it as it is, in my view. The right-leaning media organisation GB News launched in 2021 on cable and freeview with £60 million of start-up funding. It burst onto the scene with a series of completely chaotic technical identity and personnel failures that left spectators predicting its imminent demise. I can barely hear the questions. So I'm just going to call in on my phone. (gasps) Sorry. I just did that thing where I used my foot and accidentally uh, made my chair go down. (laughs) So a day of action is being held by the UK travel. Sorry, I'm laughing because it's like banging. But after two and a half years on the scene, this disruptor is a little more sure of itself. Its CEO describes it as controversial, uncomfortable and unfashionable. But it's described by others as Britain's wannabe answer to Fox News, a partisan news channel dominated by contentious and personality-led right-wing programming. Is anyone going to call out the despicable and very obvious growth of anti-white racism now being accepted as normal? Hey, hey, do not come into the studio and call me a cis woman. We non-woke are still the majority. The channel now boasts of between 3 and 4 million television viewers a month. And according to a recent survey of grassroots conservatives, it is now the second most watched channel by Tory party members. Perhaps because it has influential presenters and conservative politicians among its ranks. Soon its roster will even include a former prime minister. Hi folks, Boris Johnson here. 
In Westminster, no one is mocking GB News anymore. Instead, people are wondering just how big a role it might have in shaping the future of the British Conservative Party. And so, perhaps, the future of the country. So, I've spoken to presenters, producers and the channel's CEO to find out how GB News went from a shambolic upstart to a mainstream political voice and to ask what will its influence be on British politics in the rocky months ahead. I think the noise it's made in the industry has been enormous. They know what they're doing. You know, they thrive and exist on controversy. At first, we copped a lot of criticism for the coverage that we carried here, but ultimately picked up by everyone else. I meet viewers quite regularly. They live outside London. They've got a Labour voting history. They normally vote a Tory last time. They don't know what to do now. You know, let's not pretend that people don't talk like that, because they do. You know, they might not in your media world, or in the bubble, uh, but they do. The level of freedom I've been given is truly extraordinary. I mean, truly extraordinary. From Politico, I'm Aggie Chambray, and this week on Westminster Insider, I'm going inside GB News and asking how much attention the political establishment should really be giving to a low-budget, upstart news channel. Early 2021, West London, the Hilton Ballroom. Large chandeliers swung overhead. Long, thin tables, without any tablecloths, took up much of the room. It was like someone had started setting up for a wedding and then had stopped halfway through. The mood was exciting, intense. Think party conference meets Freshers' Week meets Corporate Away Day. People huddled in groups, They were nervous, often of each other. This collection of people were about to do something that had not been done for decades in the UK. They were going to launch a new TV news channel. The early days were very exciting. This is Gito Harry, ex-GB News presenter and former director of comms at Number 10. There was a very clear sense that there was a gap in the market. There was a geographical gap because parts of the UK felt sort of overlooked, neglected by mainstream media. There was also a sense of, and I think the slogan was said quite a lot, go woke, go broke. And that was the one clear thing that united different factions. It's quite fun. You were meeting your new colleagues and you were having chats and, and you know, that you were excited. This is Gloria De Piero, former Labour MP and current GB News presenter. She has been with the channel since the beginning. You know, there were some worries because before we'd broadcast a single frame, um, there were some organisations say, oh my gosh, this is going to be like hate-filled and horrible. You were like, what are you basing this on? We haven't broadcast a single frame. The idea for GB News had been hatched by American businessmen who believed there was a gap in the market for an anti-establishment news channel. Some in British politics agreed. We had that Brexit referendum. I thought, oh God, the whole media's going to wake up because I don't think anyone in London thought we were going to leave the European Union. And I thought, this is going to change everything. And I thought it was quite noble to want to set up a channel that wanted to speak to those people whose voices were ignored. The first employees included former Sky News Australia boss Angelo Frangopoulos and veteran BBC political interviewer Andrew Neil. In early 2021, when meetings began in the Hilton, GB News had hired nearly 100 journalists and people were raring to go. 
there were just a few problems. The first, the office in Paddington was still a building site and the studio inside it was nowhere near ready to be used. You had to use quite a lot of imagination to, to when you were told, well, that's where the studio's going to be, this is where the newsroom's going to be. They, they just weren't built. It was full of builders. This is former GB News presenter Simon McCoy, a veteran BBC journalist hired for the launch, with decades of broadcasting behind him. Others, though, were hired with slightly less experience in journalism. I, I remember walking in uh, one day and sitting down next to this young guy, and he was talking about, what we were going to be doing. So, well, of course, the studio is, isn't as big as where I've been working. And I thought, oh, that's great. There's someone else who's worked in television before. And I said, well, where, where were you? And he said, well, I, I was at Nottingham Trent University. And like, my heart sort of sang. The date for the launch kept being changed until one date stuck, the 13th of June. <laughs> I still have nightmares about the launch. We start the journey tonight. We hope you'll join us, because if it matters to you, it matters to us. I'm Andrew Neil, and this is GV News. And when Andrew Neil finished his monologue on that first programme, people were clapping and cheering, and we all thought, well, hey, I was thinking, Christ, how are we going to do it? It was huge fear that we, we were starting something that we, we weren't actually fully ready for, and, and so it proved. Well, let's uh, talk to Mark now, who returns. Uh, I think down... Uh, well, we're talking to Mark in just a moment. Tech failure after tech failure marred the launch and the months after. A Twitter account was even set up to capture everything going wrong on telly. So, so that obviously wasn't Harry Kane. I don't know if we have Harry Kane. One producer told me she used to sit on the bus home from work and watch them and laugh. Excuse me, Citrix receiver updater needs your attention. Oh, there we go. We're joined by a, a fourth person at this point. It might be... It was all she could do to stop herself crying. Uh, the lighting was all over the shop. Sometimes the sound was... It was shambolic. Gito Harry again. There was a lot of far more established long-term presenters than me who were mortified by, you know, the humiliation, if you like, of, you know, being stuck on air without your script in front of you or the lights going out. Simon McCoy was in the studio when his executive producer buzzed through with news. I remember Jill coming through on Iopia to sing. She said, she said, I don't think we're on air, but keep going. As a presenter, that, that's a terrifying thing to hear. You've got no guests, uh, nothing's working, uh, but you've got five minutes until we've got a break, so just keep talking. And to be told, well, we're not sure if we're on air, um, I think someone outside had to ring a relative to say, put channel nine, uh, 512 on and see if it's on. We're in a bit of a rush for lots of different reasons. From a technical perspective, we should have done, should have taken more time to, to do checks. This is the chief executive of GB News, Angelo Frangopoulos. The sector that we went into hadn't been properly disrupted for basically three decades. And you have opposition that existed before we even broadcast our first frame of video. And uh, that means that, you know, it has been a little bit rocky, but... It's part of a development of a business and a startup, and we just try to fail fast on the things that don't work and just have this philosophy that we just keep going and keep focusing on what we're doing here. The issues went beyond shoddy equipment. I think key executives had different visions, and I'm not sure how straight they'd been with each other, uh, but the different strategies were not reconciled. 
The key executives included members of the board, the original GB News chairman and presenter Andrew Neil, his pal John McAndrew, who had over two decades' experience across Sky, the BBC and NBC, and, of course, the CEO Angelo Frangopoulos. Now, according to some insiders, McAndrew had wanted the channel to shake up the status quo and tell optimistic stories from around the country. Neil, for his part, essentially wanted the Spectator magazine in TV form. But Frangopoulos' model, imported from his time in Australian news, was something more basic, more right-wing, more populist. Some would say, though he denies this, more Fox News. More and more differences emerge between myself and the other senior managers and the board of GV News. And rather than these differences narrowing, they go wider and wider. Andrew Neil, who began as the face of the channel, lasted for just eight shows before taking a break and coming off air. Soon after, he quit the broadcaster entirely, walking away from a multi-million pound contract. He later said, and I'm quoting here, staying would have killed him. And I felt it was best that if that's the route they wanted to take, then that's up to them. The next high-profile departure revealed a channel desperately grappling with its identity. During a segment about the racist abuse suffered by some players after the Football 2020 Euro final, Guito Harry decided to kneel live on air in a symbolic move of solidarity. I actually now get it, and so much so that I think, you know, we should all take the knee. In fact, why not take the knee now and just say it's a gesture, but it's an important gesture. The channel's anti-woke viewers were horrified and began a boycott. Despite having pitched itself as the home of free speech, GB News responded by taking Harry off air. He too subsequently quit. And I think maybe now if that were to happen again, they maybe would have rolled with it. Um, they would have held their nerve. But uh, at the time, I think it was part of a wider discussion about the broad direction of the channel. More of the established broadcast talent followed Neil and Harry out of the door. Editorial director John McAndrew was next to quit. Ex-BBC presenter Simon McCoy followed soon after. Those who had been attracted to the channel by its big-name stars were unsettled. But Angelo Frangopoulos, the ultimate winner of this early power struggle, was unperturbed. Startups are hard. Um, we lost some high-profile people in the early days. Frangopoulos again. I think in most of those cases, they didn't understand what this channel was about. If you came in this place thinking it's another BBC, another Sky, um, with all the resources and the bells and whistles that go with it, you you know it's pretty easy to become disappointed. But I think some people also found the startup environment really really tough like things going wrong day after day after day can get you know can start to wear you down departing presenters left holes in running orders but fortunately for frangopolis one man no stranger to startups was available to help. Good evening. Yes, I'm back. Good evening. Good to be back. Good evening. Well, it was a weekend of light southerly winds in the English Channel, and that meant, well, of course, the crossings were back on. You know, I was absolutely very keen to be a part of it. This is, of course, former UKIP leader, current honorary president of the Reform Party, and recent inhabitant of the Australian jungle, Nigel Farage. He now presents a weeknightly show on GB News. GB News were a little bit reluctant to give me a big role to begin with because there was one big star, that was Andrew Neil, and that wasn't 
to be challenged. But within five weeks, the whole thing had fallen to pieces. Andrew Neil had gone. It was, it was a heck of a mess. And so it was, in, it was actually in the July that I spoke to the boss, Angelo. I said, look, you know, I'm in a relatively quiet period. I'm not going to go away this summer. You know, if you want me to step in and help, I will. And they bit my arm off, you know. So there we are. Suddenly, I was doing a nightly show. Here we are two and a half years later. And, of course, we've had our ups and downs. And, of course, there have been mistakes. And, of course, some people prove not to be suitable. But that's no different to any startup, whether it's in business or broadcast or politics. You're always going to have a relatively high turnover of people in the early days. So, the first few months of GB News were marred with problems, editorial, technical and structural. And to top it all off, some days there were literally zero people watching. What I wanted to work out was what happened next. How did the channel go from such a mess to, well, an established media organisation that looks very likely to have major influence on the future direction of the Conservative Party? If those I spoke to were to pinpoint a moment that things improved, it was a few months in. The teething problems had largely abated. Crucially, at the back end of 2021, GB News started to act a bit more like established media. They launched old-fashioned, impartial news bulletins to play at the beginning and middle of every hour. This was followed by gaining access to what's known in the business as the pool. This meant they took turns to undertake key political interviews. Suddenly, someone from GB News could interview the PM, and that interview would be used on every channel. Thank you, Prime Minister, by the way. It's great to see you again. Good, good. And Nigel Farage's show was a hit, at least with the select but loyal crowd of Brits who simply cannot get enough of Nigel Farage. Controversial, lockdown-hating presenters like Dan Witten too, previously of The Sun and Talk Radio, became essential viewing for some. Witten, of course, is currently suspended from the channel, but more on that later. I think it just became a successful platform for Tory politicians. This is Katie Searle, former senior controller of news and current affairs at the BBC. As long as you can provide a competent service that is going to get pick-up from Tory MPs and therefore produce an audience that is looking for their own views to be reflected back to them, then I think that is going to be a success. We are standing outside GB News's newsroom. To find out more about GB News now, Annabelle Dixon, who has written a story for our website out today, and I needed to get inside the studio in Paddington Basin. Left as you walk in, this is all the production team. One of the problems 30 seconds. We were invited inside to interview the CEO, Angelo Frangopoulos. Should I cup of tea? A water or something? Do you want to have a quick look around? Is it helpful for you to actually see yeah. what we do? Yeah, it's probably yeah, yeah. helpful, right? Yeah, why not? So, Annabelle, we did get this tour of the newsroom. We got inside GB News. Unfortunately, Angelo asked us not to record it, but we'll have to describe it. It's quite a lot smaller than other TV newsrooms I've been in. There was this wall behind the kitchen um, covered in thank you cards from viewers. Was there anything that really struck you? Yeah, well, the thing that struck both of us most was these huge screens that were up around the newsroom over everybody's desk with all sorts of facts and figures on them. And these facts and figures were showing the live viewing figures for the broadcast channel. 
Yeah, so I worked in TV for years and I'd actually never seen anything like this sort of real-time publicly displayed monitoring like this. One insider told us that presenters sort of occasionally pop out during the ad breaks to see what they're doing. And numerous people told us how obsessed the CEO, Angelo, is with these ratings. He'll often walk into the gallery and insist that producers change the guest or topic if it's not doing well enough in that moment. And I and I should just add, when we went to Rangopolis, he said ratings are important, but that he is not obsessed with them. Now, in February 2024, GB News is still growing, on radio, TV and online. Frangopoulos told staff at the end of last year that since April 2023, they'd beaten BBC News 14% of the time and Sky News 34%. The channel also has an outsized influence in political circles, but many just know GB News for its scandal and controversy. I think the noise it's made in the industry has been enormous in such a short time. Katie Searle again. And look, they know what they're doing. You know, they thrive and exist on controversy. And they haven't just stepped into this area. They've, you know, they've steamed into it. Numerous insiders described some of the channel's presenters as shock jocks. Basically meaning that they say things on air that might be viewed as offensive to a portion of those listening. Actor and Billy Piper divorcee turned GB News contributor Lawrence Fox did exactly this last September when he used his evening show to discuss whether anyone would want to climb into bed with a female journalist whose views he disagreed with. We're past the watershed, so I can say this. Um, show me a single self-respecting man that would like to climb into bed with that woman, ever. Fox was quickly sacked he later apologised. The presenter he was talking to, Dan Wooten, was suspended. He too also apologised. And a third host, Calvin Robinson, who publicly defended Fox, also had his contract terminated. The station apologised and launched an internal investigation. Even GB News, it turned out, had its limits. We were very disappointed. The reality is, is that you know, live broadcasting is, is tricky when you've got voices that come from a very broad cross-section. GB News boss Angelo Frangopoulos again. Um, one thing that we do not stand for is anything that denigrates people or, um, or brings people into disrepute. Ad hominem has got no place um, here at GB News. Yeah, when Lawrence Fox said the thing, um, I think that was... Not right. This is Tory MP Lee Anderson. He has been a GB News presenter since June 2023. When we spoke in early January, he was still deputy chairman for the Conservative Party. He resigned from this role last month because of a disagreement with the government over the Rwanda bill. There's a fine line. He actually devalued women with that with that comment. I thought it was it's not. It might have been a down the pub when you've had a few pints sort of comment. Uh, but not on not on TV. I, I thought he, were, he he crossed the line. I mean, he probably should he w- shouldn't have said that down the pub if he'd had a few drinks either. Well, but men do say that. You know, let's let's be honest. You know, they're you know, let's not pretend that people don't talk like that because they do. You know, they might not in your immediate world or in the bubble, uh, but they do. They talk like that in the real world, and most people. Um, not listen to this Politico, but most people probably listen to GB News would understand that. But do you think that's acceptable down the pub? It's not acceptable, but that's how people talk. You know, when they've had a few, they might be loose lips, whatever. 
Uh, but people talk like that. People tell jokes. They tell rude jokes. They tell racist jokes. They tell they tell uh, jokes about sexuality. They, they tell all sorts of jokes, and it's not right what they do. But people do that. But to do it on TV is beyond the pale, really. I mean, what is your power in that situation? Did you ever consider resigning from your role as presenter? No, not at all. Um, no, he's. Um, I thought it was wrong. At the time, I think I think anybody watching it would would have said it's wrong. It was it wasn't very nice, you know. We've all got mothers and sisters and and partners, or whatever, and it's it was a bit insulting to women uh, to 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 measure the value of a woman by how she looks mm. or how attractive she is. GB News sees itself as the home of free speech. Its editorial charter states the right of every individual to form and share their views. But this moment showed that even shock jocks do not get total freedom to say what they want. Now, look, I think I know what Lee Anderson would make of this ex-philosophy student from York Uni bringing in John Stuart Mill at a time like this. But we are where we are, so here we go. Mill talked about the harm principle, meaning that people should be free to act however they want unless their actions cause harm to somebody else. And in this case, the words very much did cause harm. It's all subjective. There, look, there are lines around taste, aren't there? I asked Farage where he thought the line was. There are lines around taste. There are lines around, you know, what you would say to your friends going out for dinner and you think, oh, I went, I mean, you wake up the next morning, mm, perhaps I went a bit too far. So there are always lines around taste, lines around acceptability. But I think perhaps as a broadcaster, you have an even bigger responsibility to get these things right. And that was what was so outrageous, I guess, about the Lawrence Fox thing. It was just a ridiculously awful thing to say, with no sense of context whatsoever. That should have been dealt with immediately. And that was the real problem there, that it wasn't nipped in the bud. But this was not the only instance where presenters failed to oppose harmful comments. And the channel has the Ofcom verdicts to prove it. In total, GB News breached the rules five times, 12 other investigations are ongoing. One such breach included a guest, Naomi Wolf, comparing the COVID vaccine rollout to mass murder, it equating it to the actions of doctors pre-Nazi in pre-Nazi Germany. Germany. The, the comments went largely unopposed by the presenter. Exactly the broadcaster accepted the Ofcom ruling and pointed to the fact that when the investigation was published, the presenter, Mark Stein, hadn't appeared on the channel for five months. Look, I think, you know, having a debate around the vaccines is important. It's a huge issue, massive issue. And I think there are times when perhaps once or twice, not so much GB News presenters, but I think maybe some of our guests did stray a bit too far. I mean, look, you know, there's still opinions that should be allowed, but they've got to be set in the right context. It depends whether it's a conspiracy theory or it's actually just asking a question that might be too difficult to be asked. Frangopoulos again. The reality on vaccines is that... Um, Early on, during COVID, they were seen as conspiracy theories, but now, as time wears on, those so-called conspiracy theories are actually legitimate questions that uh, are, being, are being asked. So um, journalism should be about bravery, about talking about things that, you know, that don't fit into the, to the status quo. Hmm. 
Perhaps it was bravery in 2022 that led to then-presenter Mark Stein wrongly asserting that a third COVID booster was causing higher infection, hospitalisation and deaths. GB News said they were disappointed by Ofcom's ruling on that one. The, the, the danger is that these debates around subjects like vaccines and regrettably also um, climate change is that they, they become ideological battlegrounds. This is Alan Rusbridger, former Guardian editor and current editor of Prospect magazine. If you're on one side of the argument, then you have to believe X. Uh, And so science goes out of the window. The question of vaccines and the whole question of lockdowns is a legitimate subject for journalistic debate. But you would hope it would be done to uh, the standards of journalism, not the standards of ideology or the standards of conspiracy theorists. And, And I'm afraid there's too much of that. Just last month, presenter Neil Oliver talked about the rise of turbo cancer, which does not exist, and wrongly implied it was being caused by vaccines. Specialising in treating turbo cancers. One former GB News producer told me that it was the moment when then-presenter Calvin Robinson tweeted that Enoch Powell had been right all along, that he realised he really needed to quit his job. These controversies may keep grabbing headlines, but two and a half years on, do GB News bosses care? Or is the controversy actually part of the channel's appeal? Frangopoulos apparently would say we're upsetting the right people when complaints came in. Two insiders went as far as to suggest Frangopoulos thinks having rows with Ofcom is good for business. Frangopoulos, though, says they do take Ofcom complaints seriously and receiving complaints from Ofcom is not good for business. And so, in fact, the contrary is true. With Ofcom, we chose to be regulated and people forget that. And we could have just gone OTT, we could have just put it on an app, but we chose to be regulated. And we're serious about that regulation. And when we get things wrong, we, um, we get things wrong. And if we think Ofcom's got it wrong, we'll say Ofcom's got it wrong. And, and, and what do you say to people who kind of do dismiss you as, you know, unprofitable, flash in the pan, only appealing to kind of the mad fringes of society? It's a pretty big mad fringe. That's all I can say. Um, Look, we're a disruptor. We're only two and a half years old. We're uh, on a journey of really fine-tuning what we do and how we do it. But there is a role for voices like this in the media landscape. The channel has now settled into a pattern. The days are more newsy, the evenings more outrageous. And the same four stories come up again and again and again. Net zero, migration, Meghan Markle and transgender rights. Well, generally speaking, um, primetime television is more appointment to views than daytime television. And look, and if you want to draw comparisons to um, MSNBC or Fox News or CNN or Sky News Australia or, or even the local channels here, they are newsier during the day because there's news happening during the day. And evenings tend to be more like you know, talk-based shows driven by personalities. Presenters at GB News have a huge amount of power in what they put out. The level of freedom I've been given is truly extraordinary. I mean, truly extraordinary. I've never been told, you can't say that. I've never been told to apologise for anything I've said. And how much control do you have? So when, I suppose, mistakes are made internally, how much, how much of a fuss do you make? I think when you're me, if you seem to get too involved in the internal politics, they'll all say, oh, he's trying to take it over. Or So I try not to get involved too much. But, you know, I have regular bi-weekly discussions with the bosses about how I think it's going, where it's going. I try and go in with positive ideas as opposed to complaints. 
I mean, obviously, I put my input in uh, things that I believe are right or wrong. Of course, I do. I'm not shy to give an opinion. If I feel strongly about something, I will say so. And can you just give me an example? You said, I'm not shy. I will say something kind of internally. What would that look like? Oh, look, you know, I might say that I don't think this presenter uh, is really giving a balanced argument. You know, and, and that's not because of Ofcom. I'm not scared of Ofcom. I haven't got a problem with Ofcom. It's because, again, I think we need to treat people with intelligence. OK, and you're not going to give me an example of a presenter you've said hasn't been balanced, are you? Oh, I wouldn't do that, no. Okay. But I wouldn't do that. But, but, but I think from recent changes, you might be able to work that out. Since launch, the turnover of staff has been enormous. Some I spoke to lasted just months before throwing in the towel. And in recent news, the channel's economics and business editor, Liam Halligan, who has been with GB since launch, is leaving, according to three people. Halligan himself wouldn't confirm one way or the other. The strategy internally has constantly changed and evolved. Ideas that seemed essential one day disappeared by the next. And I'm told that in 2022, just before Russia invaded Ukraine, Frangopoulos claimed viewers were not interested in the upcoming war and refused to send a reporter, only to change his mind a few days later and send a team to the border of Poland. He tried to insist this team drive from London in a GB News branded car. Frangopoulos said the delay in sending was to protect employees. The ever-changing approach of GB News struck me as a startup desperate to survive against the odds, but Simon McCoy disagreed. It's not a startup mentality, it's a very Australian. I put that down to the Australian nature of, of Angelo. Uh, and, and in some ways, it, it works. You know, everybody knows where they stand. And uh, rather than promoting people who who don't seem to work, which is what other broadcasters do, he, he, he got rid. So it creates a lean machine and, and, and an atmosphere where people want to make, make it work because they know everything's on the line. It was an incredibly toxic working environment. This is just my opinion. This is Josh Rom, former producer and correspondent who left the channel in 2022. People were stressed out of their minds, um, overworked, the resourcing for some of the programmes, not all of the programmes, was under-resourcing. There was a kind of culture at GB where rather than addressing, and again, just my opinion, can't say it's fact, um, there may or may not have been a culture of rather than fixing the problems, if there is any dissenting voice, even if they care about the output and even if they just want to better the output, if there is a dissenting voice there, it would be far easier just to get rid of them rather than okay find them a different place within the company find them elsewhere it, it was a very high pressure atmosphere uh there were times i went into that newsroom and there were particularly some of the younger journalists were upset because of how they've been treated Frangopoulos said startups can be stressful, as can working for any busy news organisation, but added they do all they can to support their employees and not to put them under pressure unnecessarily. But the fast pace of a newsroom is not suited to everyone. He also said there was no basis for suggesting that staff turnover is out of keeping with the industry generally. He added they have robust rules and codes governing employee conduct, and he does not recognise the culture described in this podcast. Finally, he said they have not had any adverse court rulings over staffing matters. 
GB News lost £30 million in its first year of broadcast, but it still spends extravagantly on presenters. Lee Anderson famously makes a hundred grand a year for his appearances, and although Boris Johnson's fee is being kept quiet, presumably the former Prime Minister was not cheap. And I'm going to be giving this remarkable new TV channel my unvarnished views on... You'll see Boris in 2024. Uh, the main focus that uh, the former Prime Minister is going to be working on is really stories about the United Kingdom um, on the world stage, but he will be uh, no doubt providing us with commentary um, over the year, which would be quite interesting. And what of other prominent Tories? Does he want to sign Suella Braverman, for example? Strikingly, the former Home Secretary chose his channel for her first interview after being sacked last year. Well, we haven't had any discussions with her on that front, but um, who knows down the track? Our audience loves Suella Braverman. She has, she really resonates um, with them. I've actually, I have told her that, um, but that's by no means a, a you know a, a pitch. Coming up, why are Tories so obsessed with GB News? How can Tory MPs act as presenters? And could the impact of GB News mirror that of Fox News in America? Well, government's there to be influenced, aren't it? Government's there to serve the people. I think it's a real threat to democracy. And I think if we're left sleeping on this and letting it go by, we're going to have a real problem in the coming years. Stay with us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A message from Lloyd's Banking Group. Lloyd's Banking Group has championed social housing for decades. It provides finance, expertise and guidance to more than 340 housing associations across the UK. These range from small local associations of several hundred homes to much larger regional associations responsible for tens of thousands of properties. Each has an important role to play in their community to help people find a safe place to call home. Improving access to quality and affordable homes is central to Lloyds Banking Group's commitment to helping Britain prosper. That's why Lloyds Banking Group is calling for one million more homes to be made available for social rent over the next decade. A couple of years ago, I met an MP in one of Parliament's many lavish tea rooms. We had a few glasses of wine and got to talking about this new upstart channel, GB News. We'd only been chatting for a few moments before a Conservative MP interrupted us from the next table. We love GB News, he told us. He was the first Conservative to tell me that, but he's certainly not been the last. Do you also want to welcome some more friends here tonight? At their party conference last year, 
former Home Secretary Priti Patel announced this to the crowd. Our friends that are here, the newest, most successful, most dynamic, no-nonsense news station, and the defenders of free speech, that is my friends at GB News. Thank you for everything that you do. And if that wasn't enough evidence that the channel has become the darling of the right, then what about this? Last month, a survey of Tory members by the Conservative Home website found more than half now tune into GB News. It's second only to the BBC. And in our focus group of three back in Norwich, Conservative Party members Sonia, Mary and Terry even prefer it to the BBC's Today programme. I've not listened to it now for since GB News started. And that Nick Robinson or whatever, I, I, it used to make me nervous the way he used to think that he ran the country. <laughs> you know... I, I, I mean, that is astonishing. They've been here a hundred years. Nigel Farage again. We've, we've wanted to believe that they're the gold standard of producing news, both at a national and a global level. So who's watching matters as well? I think particularly after the next general election, I think GB News could be very influential indeed. Are you talking about a Tory leadership contest? It could be that. It could be a number of things. But I think, I think already there have been a series of campaigns that GB News has been associated with that have had enormous traction through the country. There is, I think, a following now for whom GB News is highly relevant. Former number 10 head of comms, Gito Harry again. They are clearly people who will decide who wins in the potential challenge to the Conservative Party from the Reform Party, uh, who will potentially end up as leader of the Conservative Party in the event of the next leadership challenge, whenever that comes, and in what direction the Conservative Party goes. If, as the polls imply, the Tories have a terrible general election night, there is little doubt that there'll be a very public reckoning about the future direction of the Conservative Party among its remaining MPs and grassroots members. Many see GB News as an important platform for that debate, particularly for those who want to see a more right-wing leader and what they perceive to be more Conservative policies. The existing Tory MPs who currently have presenting gigs like... Jacob Rees-Mogg and Lee Anderson are very much on the right of the party and other presenters on the channel like Nigel Farage, reform leader Richard Tice and his former deputy Martin Daubeny are even further to the right. With loyal Tory members watching, those fighting for the soul of the party and future leadership will see GB News as an important constituency to influence. I suspect the Conservative Party after the general election will have to have a big reckoning with its policy record over the last 14 years. This is Henry Hill, Deputy Editor of the Conservative Home website. You know, the clashes between the personalities in the Conservative Party will have uh, a quite vivid new platform in GB News that we haven't seen before. And visual media can be extremely powerful, not just for the people who tune in to watch it on GB News, but also it can be clipped and circulated. So I think it will be an important arena, at least for the building of personal profiles. The building of personal profiles is something that the boss of GB News is said to know a lot about. The newsroom myth that everyone seems to know goes like this. When Angelo Frangopoulos worked at Sky News Australia, the Australian equivalent of America's Fox News, he gave politicians slots on that channel, then they became famous, then they became Prime Minister. 
That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous thing I've heard. Fine. I've never heard that before. Fine. But is there any <laughs> element of truth in it? And is there any element of you saying that to Tory MPs or to Boris Johnson or people like that? Come on the show, you'll be seen by Tory voters and you'll get more famous and maybe you'll be leader again. In terms of having politicians present shows, um, the first show, um, political show that happened uh, in Australia uh, on Sky News Australia was actually co-hosted by... Um, uh, two backbenchers, one was Tony Abbott and one was Anthony Albanese, who, and they both became prime ministers, obviously. Uh, um, Mr Albanese is the current prime minister. Uh, but that was just, you know, I, I do think that's coincidental. I, I, do, I, 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 do not, I do not think there was actually something of, we don't set about doing that. But, however, I, I, I do think that the more consumers see of politicians as real people, that's a really powerful thing in terms of their relationship with the electorate and their constituents. One thing Frangopoulos hinted the channel has already had impact on is the government's Rwanda policy. The success, or otherwise, of this policy to stop the boats has become a key plank of Rishi Sunak's premiership. People need to know that if they come here illegally, that they will be detained and swiftly removed. And once they know that, they will stop coming and we'll be able to stop the boats. At first, we copped a lot of criticism for the coverage that we, you know, that we carried here about what was happening um, across across the channel. But ultimately, um, it got picked up by everyone else, and now it is a mainstream establishment conversation that is actually a talking point in the election campaign. You know, we you, know, you see Rwanda headlines everywhere. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a good thing about our media. Lee Anderson again. I mean, we've got to remind ourselves that the, the media can be a force for good um, in this country. And, you know, when you've got people on GB News like Farage and Tyson and, and, and a few others who are major influencers, they're influencers and people um, take notice. And, and just on the Rwanda policy, do you think it's do you think that's right, that it kind of influenced the government? Um, well, government's there to be influenced, aren't it? Government's there to serve the people. And if it's the will of the people, if they're channeling their expressions through, whether it's through the ballot box or through the media, then, yeah, fair play. I mean, that's what people want. Um, people, you know, we don't live in a communist country. I mean, we live in a, in a democracy where government should be listening to the public. And do you think GB News is echoing the views of a silent majority or is it changing minds? No, I don't think it's changing minds. I think most people's minds are made up anyway. Um, what it what it's doing is it's giving the people that's fed up with watching the BBC, the Sky News, the ITV, it's giving them a different option. It's giving them a safe space, a place to go to where people agree with them. It's kind of the same question you could have asked Kelvin McKenzie 30 years ago. You know, was the sun putting on the front page what blokes were talking about in pubs at six o'clock? Or was it actually influencing what people were saying in pubs at six o'clock? And... I never knew the answer to that. I'm not sure Kelvin ever did the answer. A bit of both is the answer. It's a little bit of both. Every move that is made in Westminster now can be seen through the prism of the upcoming general election. For the Labour Party, they cannot afford to treat the channel the way they did originally. Former Labour MP Gloria De Piero says after launch, she had to ring up her Labour MP mates and beg them to come on. And it was often... Only if I begged and pleaded with them to come on, they would do it as a favour to me. I've not made a call like that for, I don't know, like 18 months. They're always on the channel. Now, would they go on Nigel? Probably not. But it gets a lot of viewers. And Nigel is really polite. 
The More in Common think tank found 32% of current Tory voters, 26% of Labour voters and 59% of Reform voters count themselves as viewers. De Piero and Nigel Farage think it's exactly the sort of people Labour are trying to target who watch GB News. They live outside London. They've got a Labour voting history. They normally voted Tory last time. They don't know what to do now. So those votes are up for grabs, which is why it's really important. And they don't feel like the conventional uh, news channels spoke for them. I think Labour need to come on GB News, and they are. So there's a very important battle going on for where those voters go. Annabelle has some intel on this too. Shadow cabinet members do regularly appear on the channel. One strategist told me they see engaging with GB News really as part of their strategy of showing that they want to engage with voters and meet them where they are and not be sort of seen to be lecturing them. But they they do make a distinction between working with what they call sort of more sensible presenters on the channel, like their political editor, Chris Hope, and some of the more kind of opinionated presenters um, who might appear in the evening. Frankopoulos said he's working on trying to get more left-wing presenters. At the moment, there are far more right-wing ones who work on the channel. Already, lots of people think it's pretty weird having sitting MPs presenting TV programmes. But there are stricter Ofcom rules during an election. So, during an election period, Ofcom says that candidates in UK elections must not act as news presenters, interviewers or presenters for any type of programme. So, at some point this year, MPs employed by the channel will have to come off air if they want to run for Parliament again. Jacob Rees-Mogg and Lee Anderson's days are numbered. Nigel Farage's, too, if he chooses to run for reform. I invented the thing. You know, I do feel, I do feel some sense of ownership of it. I am the honorary president. Uh, I will not, I mean, I will make it perfectly clear, uh, you know, that that's who I'm supporting um, in the odd by-election or whatever it may be. But if I want to cover a general election for GB News under period of perder, it can be tricky, isn't it? It can be very difficult. And I think, look, I don't know. I'm thinking very hard about it. But I, but I think it is an either-or choice. You know, when you've got people on GB News like Farage and Tyson and, and a few others who are major influencers, more so um, Nigel Farage, they are influencers and people take notice. Lee Anderson again. They've got a great platform. It's you know It gets great viewing figures. Uh, does Nigel, and they can influence things. Do you ever think that's a bit of a problem because reform, they have this massive no, platform? No, no, not at all. It's because a lot of the message... But it's, good for th- it's good for them. It's good for them, but a lot of the messaging they're putting out, I guess, I agree with. But they are a threat to a lot of Tory MPs, perhaps not to you. Well, we're living seat. in a democracy, don't we? So, I mean, we should always be under threat of losing our seats. That's that's part of the game we're in. That's, that's a great thing about this country. I'm, I'm here for five years. If I don't do my job properly, they'll kick me out. One senior GB News insider told me they felt those presenters planning to stand in the general election should already be off air. Others feel they should never have been there in the first place. Uh, I'm completely baffled by uh, Ofcom. I mean, the, the rules are pretty clear. Alan Rusbridger again. And we keep on being told that the BBC, they've got to be tougher on the BBC at the same time as they seem to be giving GB News not, not a completely free pass. But they're not challenging the basic premise of GB News, which is to have an awful lot of um, right-wing people talking to a lot of other right-wing people. And even when they have people on who are not of the same political persuasion, 
by the time that's chunked up and put on social media where there's a vast audience, there's no conceivable world in which you could say that that was impartial. What do you think that means for our political landscape? If you're going to change that and allow broadcasting to become very right-wing along with a right-wing press, and in some senses more right-wing than the right-wing press, then you've done something very significant to the balance. Uh, And I think that has all kinds of bad effects, not not because it's right-wing. I mean, the same would be true if it was all left-wing. Okay, so Ofcom does say that no politicians should present news programmes in normal times. But Anderson and Rhys Mogg's show have somewhat controversially been deemed current affairs rather than news. Which basically means MPs can interview their colleagues and ask why they're so great. Just kidding. But but actually not really. But why politics? Well, I could ask you the same. Um, <laughs> Did you think when you didn't win the leadership bid, that you would end up being asked to be Chancellor? I didn't think so, not in my wildest dreams. The decision has not made a huge amount of sense to some people. Listen to this exchange between Scottish National Party MP John Nicholson and an Ofcom boss at a select committee last year. They're talking about Jacob Rees-Mogg's programme on GB News. Why don't you act to stop this? If the programme constitutes a news programme, that is the rule. If it constitutes a current affairs programme, we look at it differently. This is dancing the head of a pin. An Ofcom spokesperson said they're currently conducting new research to gauge current audience attitudes towards these programmes. So we've seen the birth of this channel and Talk TV, by the way, um, come into the broadcasting arena, change the game put presenters on that interview essentially their colleagues and promote their own beliefs um, with the regulators saying, well, we're adhering to rules that are out of date. Former BBC boss Katie Searle again. And if you look at what's happened in the States, of course, there has been a real division about where uh, Fox News very famously um, has gone and, uh, and it's divided, you know, with lots of people watching from the right going towards Fox News and others, CNN and other channels. It serves to split the democratic debate around election time because you you put an audience towards what they want to hear or what their comfortable views are, and they're left without challenge to that. So I, th- I think it's a real threat to democracy. And I think if we're left sleeping on this and letting it go by, we're going to have a real problem in the coming years. And so what do you think should be done? I think I would urge Ofcom to tighten the rules to have a look at it, to show their teeth, to really look at whether they think that GB News is, in fact, a news programme. We know with news, you say something controversial, whether it's on the TV, on the audio, but also on social, and then it's absolutely amplified um, hugely and will dominate headlines. So I think it will be a real challenge um, as we approach the next election. If, for the sake of shorthand, GB News is going to end up like Fox News and it it shows all the signs of wanting to be like that, then you're going to end up with um, much less intelligent, more shouty, more more polarised, less informed debate. Saturday Night Live being called out for woke smugness on its weekend. uh, Biden is saying, I don't want a world war. I don't want to make a big war. He's such a wuss on the world stage. By controlling the images you were allowed to view from January 6th, They controlled how the public understood that day. Fox News has had a disastrous effect on American politics and a very ugly synergy has grown between 
a party and and the politics that it reports on, but in a sense cherishes and nurtures. And that seems to me a horrible way for journalism to go and the last thing that we should be flirting with in this country. At least I mean, what's wrong with Fox News? Lee Anderson again. Not that I watch Fox News, but I just think maybe. I mean, I've only not watched it very often in, in my life, to be honest, but um, like, I, don't, I don't see what people's problem is, to be honest, you know. All these people that bang on about free speech, as soon as you say something they disagree with, they want to shut you down. Uh, it's not Fox News, it's GB News. And Fox News would not work here, has not worked here, and no longer is broadcast here. Britain is a very different market to Australia, is a very different market to the United States. So the same formula um, does not work. Um, and I think we've seen attempts to Americanise news content in the UK have, have failed. Everyone talked to me about the ideas behind GB News, what impact it's already having and what impact it could have in the future. But Frangopoulos was keen to remind me that it is still a business and one they eventually want to become profitable. Right now, it's not even close. The original founders are gone. Its cash now primarily comes from backers, Legatum Ventures and hedge fund founder, recent Tory donor and publisher of news website Unheard, Paul Marshall. Uh, we need to increase our our audience growth. Um, we need to continue to prosecute our um, case about the value of our audience to advertisers. And, I mean, that has shifted significantly in the last year. I think the channel has now built a good, solid base. Nigel Farage again. And that's always going to be the hardest thing to do. I think that's there. I think we have an epic 2024 coming up uh, with the UK, but equally with America where we're spending more and more time. I think it'll be a big year for the channel. I think the future looks very bright. But Simon McCoy has a different theory on the channel's future. My personal view is I think it, it will eventually have to merge with talk. Rupert Murdoch's rival startup channel, which launched around the same time, News UK's Talk TV. I, I, there isn't room for two channels like those. But there was an interesting thing happened at a uh, company's house a month ago. A new company was registered with the names of all the senior people at GB News who have share options. And that says to me, someone's thinking about selling it. So I actually think it'll sell. It'll do very well. But Frankopoulos said, although various interested parties have approached them, the channel is not for sale. GB News wants to be the biggest news channel in the country by 2028. They call this the big, hairy, audacious goal. The newsroom screens with their metrics will show them they have a long way to go. But they've already come further than perhaps some expected. Their reach may currently be comparatively small, but their impact in some places is not. And as Tories look further than the general election and consider their next moves, lots of them will be watching this very channel, pondering who their future leaders should be. Angelo Frangopoulos may have told us he doesn't present himself as a kingmaker to woo Tory MPs, but that hasn't stopped the myth percolating in his newsroom and beyond. Away from the controversy, there's often sensible debate and discussion being had, but even the avid viewers in Norwich had a message for the GB News boss. You're doing well, they said, but be careful. Don't hire presenters who go too far. And if you do, know when you've got it wrong and say goodbye to them. That, and do fewer Zoom interviews. All, all noted. Uh, and look, and we, we, um, we received thousands of emails from viewers who are very passionate about us. When we get things wrong and they don't like stuff, they let us know. 
But uh, those three points that they raised um, uh, are duly noted. That's it from me. I'm back with you on Monday evening. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider with me, Aggie Chambre. If you've enjoyed it, please spread the word, follow us and maybe leave us a nice review. And please don't forget you can go back and listen to old episodes like mine on the secret of TV news from season nine. There was additional reporting from Annabelle Dixon in this episode. My producers this week were Artemis Irvin and James Tyndale of Whistledown Productions. Here at Politico, my executive producer is Christina Gonzalez and my editor is Jack Blanchard. Jack will be back next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.